Hey, it's Adam. Welcome to our weekly teaching podcast here at South Hills Church in Corona, California. Our hope is that as you listen in, you'll find yourself laughing and learning and being challenged and encouraged to grab hold of who God has made you to be. Enjoy the message. So if you are taking notes, the title of my message is Peaceful Places, Peaceful Places. And uh, I, I wonder if there is a place that you, you love to go. It's like kind of your spot. And, um, you know, when you go there, you're familiar with it, you're comfortable. It just, it makes you feel good. It's your favorite. And you loved it for so long and you were like really protective of it. And then one day you showed up and there was like a lot more people there than normal. And it was like the word got out about it and like, and, and it totally changed and all these extra people ruined it. And now you're just like, I don't know. Now it doesn't feel like my spot anymore. Anybody, have you had this experience before? A show of hands. It's so frustrating and infuriating. I had this lunch spot that I really, really liked. And I would, it was the sort of, I am a very much a, a, a rhythmic person. I'm a creature of habit. And I was just like, I found this spot and I was like, oh my gosh, I love it. And they, it's like, they had this specific thing that I liked. They had uh, endless Diet Coke refills, which is a must for me if I'm gonna go to a restaurant. And they started to get to know me there. And it was the sort of thing where I could literally walk in. When I was walking in the door, I could look at the lady who was always there and she would be like, the usual. And I would be like, the usual. And I always wanted to do that. I always wanted to have a place where they would be like the usual and I would be like the usual and we both knew what it was and it was like, and so like they would get it going before I even got up to the counter, before I even paid, it was like they were in the process and I loved it and it was amazing. And then one day I showed up and it was not like that, okay? I showed up and the line was long and the normal lady was in the back and she was doing other stuff and I was like, I walked in. I actually, I thought about just walking out. I was like, maybe she's just not with it today. Maybe if I walk back out and walk back in, then she'll be like, oh, it's my bad, the usual. Like, we're gonna do our sketch, you know what I mean? We're gonna do our play, and it didn't happen. And in fact, I got up to the front of the line, and I asked for the thing I usually get, and they were out because there were so many people. And I was like, <laughs> and I was feeling frustrated, and I, yet I ordered something else, and it was good, but not as good. And then the Diet Coke ran out because they didn't have, like, they didn't refill the thing, and the mixture was off. And I'm like, what is happening right now? And, and then it was loud. It was always, like, kind of quiet, and now there's, like, all these kids everywhere, and the kids are being loud. And it's not the sort of place where kids aren't allowed I mean, I have kids. I wouldn't take them to this place, okay? And it's not because it's not for kids. It's because this is a sacred place, okay? This is a safe space, okay? I felt like there was like an understanding, you know what I mean? Like there was like a code where it was like, come on, guys. We don't bring, we don't do certain stuff. Like, you know, this is, it's like Fight Club. We don't tell people about this lunch spot. That's the first rule of this lunch spot. You invite no one to come to this lunch spot. And then it just, it felt like it all went downhill, and that's the only thing I wanted to say today. Let's close in prayer. <laughs> it's just a rant of like how I'm mad about lunch. Like, that was a weird service. I like, maybe you're catching that it really bothered me and it did. There is no hiding that it really bothered me. It did a lot, but probably more than it should. And why? You ever get really worked up about something and you're just like, and other people are just like, geez. And you're like, they're like, why are you so upset? And you're like, uh, and you're not really sure, but you know that it's there. And this was one of those sorts of things. And it, like, as I was processing it, I'm like, I don't, I like the food, but it's not that. 
I think for me, it was that I had, I had gone there so many times and it felt familiar and it felt com- comfortable and it felt predictable in a way that made me feel good about it. And it made me feel good about my life. And regardless of what other things I had to face, it was like, this is the reliable thing. Like I can go there and I get a sense of, of calm from it, which sounds weird because we're talking about a lunch spot and you guys are like, oh, a little too attached to that lunch spot. But at the same time, it's not weird because, you know, a lunch spot is not worth getting upset about. There's lots of spots to eat. But what I was getting from this place didn't really have much to do with food. It had a lot more to do with peace. Like there was something about that place that brought me peace. And I would argue that you are like this too, because people tend to associate peace with a place. It's kind of the way that we're built. Like, aren't there certain places and spaces that when you're there, it feels like home? Like you feel like when I go there, I can completely be myself. It's easier to breathe and relax and sort of still your nerves and quiet your inner critic and, and, and set the unresolved issues of your life aside long enough just to enjoy the moment and just to be, and you look forward to it. Like whatever it is, it has this, this, this calming therapeutic effect on you, and you like it. When you're there, you're at peace. And I don't know what that place is for you. Maybe it's a, a certain coffee shop. Uh, maybe it's a candle store. Maybe it's like a park that's at the end of your, your street um, that you always went to when, as a kid. Maybe it's like this hole-in-the-wall Mexican restaurant that makes it its own tortillas, okay? Maybe it's just, don't shout it out. People are going to ruin it. Did you not hear the opening story? What are you guys doing? <laughs> About to ruin your, blow up your own spot. Maybe it's a specific room in your house, right? Maybe it's a chair on your back porch or the garden in your backyard or like a trail that you like to hike or a campsite or a baseball stadium or a car that you restored or this vacation spot. That, and you go back, you get the same bungalow every time because like that's your place. And I don't know what it is for you, but what I do know is that when life is overwhelming and your job is stressful and your relationships, you know, are feeling unpredictable and your finances are unstable, you probably get this thought in the back of your mind that's just like, man, if I could just go there and I could just be in that spot and I could just breathe in that air and I could just take in that view, everything would be okay. I would calm down. I could rest and recharge and reorient. I could find peace because I know where peace is. It's found in that place. And that's great. And part of the reason why we why we find ourselves like, you know, gravitating towards this is because it works, right? It works to an extent. But here's the big question that you've got to ask. If peace is tied to a place, what happens if your place gets ruined? Like what happens if it gets overcrowded or it gets relocated or it's too expensive? What happens if it closes or it changes or burns or floods or it becomes uncomfortable or unstable or unsafe? What happens if it's still there in the same spot and it's the same way, but you can't go because you're in quarantine? See, here's the issue. Like if peace is tied to a place and you can't access that place, then you can't access peace. And that is a problem. And for a lot of us, we have experienced this problem in a really really, really tangible way in the past couple years where like life exploded and we're like, I just need to get to this place and I can't get to the place and the place isn't there. The place doesn't exist or I can't, they won't let me go to the place or if I go to the place, I gotta wear a mask and I can't breathe. 
And so we're prevented from getting to the place. And then finally, like, everything lifts. And it's like, I can go to my place. And we go there, and it's like, closed due to everything going to hell during COVID, right? <laughs> and you're like, oh, gosh, they really put it out there. And I, I would argue that this, this reality right here, this is why we get really upset when our favorite lunch spot gets overrun and our favorite room gets flooded and our favorite park gets torn down or our, like the chair on the back porch breaks or our trip gets cut short. It's because it's not really about those things. It's about something else altogether. It's about something deeper. And I think this is also why people fight really, really hard to preserve certain places. Because, you know, their peace is tied to that place. And they're afraid, like, if I lose one, I'll lose the other. I've got to protect this place because if this place crumbles, so does my peace. And I need my peace because so much around me is not peaceful. And throughout human history, we've always sort of been this way. We've tended to associate peace with a place. And, you know, we've always had this problem. When, when ancient Jews sort of talked about this idea of peace, most of the time at the, at the core of it was this idea of, they were talking about peace with God. Because what they really believed was, if you, if you had like, if you got things right with God, then no matter what else happened, like everything could be okay in, in life. And this is why, you know, people wanted to know and connect with and make sacrifice, sacrifices to God. It was all in search of peace. And the question is, where do you find this God so that you can make peace with him? And as it turned out, God, the giver of peace, dwelled in a place. And where would we get that idea? Well, from God, okay? Um, and this is where it's found. Look at this. Exodus chapter 25, verse 8 says this. This is instructions from God to his people. He says, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. God is an interior decorator, just so you guys know. It's very specific. Verse 22, he says, I will meet with you there and talk to you. And from there, I will give you my commands for the people of Israel. So God tells the people to construct a place where they can meet. And they call it a tabernacle, which is a temporary temple, which is necessary because these people are like a tribal people. So they're very nomadic at this time in history. So they need to be able to like pick it up and move it to another place. And and notice how specific this is, right? Like how particular it is. It's like you've got to make sure you build it according to these specifications. And maybe you notice that I removed some verses here. It's just all the details about how you got to build the tabernacle and how it's supposed to be set up. Because it's the same way with you and whatever your place is. Like the details are really important, aren't they? Like when you go there and it details off, you're like, something's weird. I can feel it. Something's, did somebody move that salt shaker? What's happening right now? Right, when you go back to your grandma's house and you're like, did you guys get a new recliner? Never! <laughs> what are you thinking? Your grandpa's had the same recliner since I was 12. I'm 42. And they're like, grandpa is, he needed a new recliner. You don't have to live here and smell that recliner, okay? Grandpa's health's going downhill. He doesn't always have control of his bowels. That recliner needed to be removed. And you're like, you guys got a hose. Don't give me your excuses. Because the details 
matter when it comes to our particular places. And, you know, for these people, um, it was the tabernacle, and later the tabernacle became a more permanent temple, this place where God dwelt, and it was this place where you would, you would go, you would seek it out, and you would be with God, you would make things right with God, and you would find your peace. Because that's what the temple was. The temple was a place of peace. That's why you went there. In fact, you felt peace just knowing it was there, just knowing that it existed, just knowing that you could go there if you needed it. And every year of your life was sort of revolved around these pilgrimages and these feasts and festivals that took place at the temple. You lived for them. You looked forward to them all year long. In fact, um, this, is, this, this is not just an ancient thing. Like, we still hold on to these traits even in our current culture. You've heard non-religious people talk about making pilgrimages to certain places each year that make their year feel whole, Right? This is why we know certain people that like they go, they go to the same spot in Cabo every year. Like, that's a pilgrimage for them. And some of you are like, it's not religious. If you talk to them, like, no, it's religious. Well, I gotta, we have to do it, right? This is why certain people always want to host Thanksgiving at you know, the same house that they grew up in, right? It's why certain people get Disney passes, right? And sometimes they'll go there just for five minutes. They'll just walk in and like, they'll just go smell a churro and then leave, It's just like being in the place, right? Like, what do we do at these places? Even now still, I would argue we do the same exact thing people have always done, right? We have a festival, okay? We feast, right? We soak it in. It's a little bit different feast, right? I mean, back in the day, people might have been doing communion. Maybe for you it's margaritas, but listen, it is a feast, Nonetheless, right, it's a festival. You're celebrating. You're putting everything else aside, and you are attempting to reorient yourself. And one thing I find really interesting is that this word festival that's used over and over again in Scripture can be translated rehearsal. And I think this gives us insight into why we do this as people. Religious festivals, at least in this culture, were rehearsals for heaven. It was an attempt to tap into the peaceful perfection of that place or that realm in this place or in this realm. It was like, we know that this life is flawed. We know that like the, the, the culture is broken, the earth is broken. We know that there are things that are off and not right, right? We know that, that someday things are gonna be set right. And these festivals, they bring us into a, an inner space of peace because they're tapping into heaven in some strange way in the here and now. That's what these people believed. And you've heard people say stuff like this now, right? When I go there, it's a little slice of heaven, right? It's a rehearsal. It's this idea that like I'm getting a glimpse, a taste, a foreshadowing of maybe the way life was meant to be. And so for generations, if you look back through the whole of Scripture, for generations, this is how it worked. You lived, you did your work, you raised your family, you experienced stress and toil and frustration and upsetting circumstances. And sometimes you reacted to, you know, the realities of your life in ways that you were proud of, and sometimes you didn't. Sometimes when all hell broke loose, you behaved like a saint. And sometimes you behaved like a sinner, because you're human. But regardless of what happened to you and and how you responded, you had this security that you could go to the temple and make peace with God. You had a place that you could go and be and calm and reorient yourself so that you could 
go back and re-engage with the realities of your imperfect life. But there was this thought that people had, even in ancient times, that this is not going to last forever. That this system is not going to last forever. That the temple isn't going to last forever. And Jesus actually references this idea in this conversation that he has with a woman at a well in, in the New Testament. It's in John chapter 4, verse, verse 21. They're having this conversation about, about spirituality, and, and he says this. He says, The time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem, but the time is coming, and indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. Now, this is a profound idea that Jesus just sort of says casually. Jesus says all the profound things casually, by the way, which means we really need to lean in and pay attention. But this is what Jesus is saying in this moment. He's saying peace isn't found in a place. It's found in a person, Jesus the Christ. And in fact, what Jesus is really trying to clue this woman, and because uh, he knows that we're going to get a hold of this and read it and reflect back on it, he wants us to know that this is what he wants. He wants us to find peace independent of a place. And that's really good news, because if peace is found in a person, then you can connect to peace anywhere you can connect to that person. And if that person isn't just a body, but a spirit, then you can connect to that person anywhere. Even if your place gets broken or corrupted or overcrowded or closed down, you can still have peace. And that ultimately is what a lot of the Christmas story is about. This is what this verse is about. Matthew chapter one, verse 21. This is uh, like an angel appearing to Joseph in a dream. It says, she will have a son, talking about Mary, and you're to name him Jesus for he'll save the people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That, that God, the giver of peace, is not going to be relegated to one place, but God is going to come to earth and be among us. What a profound thought. And the prophets, even those who you know, spoke for God long ago, predicted that this was the intent all along, that God wants to be with us wherever we are, not just in the temple. In fact, we are told that Jesus is the temple. Our, our theme verse sort of reorients our thinking around peace this way. Again, keep in mind that this is a prophecy given to people who think of peace as a place. It says this in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This has been buried there the whole time, by the way. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Again, what this is saying is, pro tip, the peace you're looking for is found in a person, not a place. Another way to say this would be that true peace isn't locational or situational, it's relational. And a part of you, um, you deeply want this to be true. 
because you have had moments in which the situation is not going the way you want it to. And the location is not everything that you want it to be. There's also part of you that knows maybe inherently that this is true because have you ever been in the perfect location in the perfect situation, but your relationships were jacked up? It didn't feel like it was supposed to. You ever been on a beautiful tropical vacation with a lover you're not getting along with? Not that fun. Not great. At the same time, Right, We can be in horrible situations and circumstances in a horrible location. And if the relationship is clicking, we just feel like the whole, all is right with the world. Right? This is why so many people feel so much bliss making out in the backseat of a car. The relationship is clicking. This location is horrible. The situation of your dad watching from the window, uncomfortable. But I feel like we got something going. Everything's going to be all okay. I told you guys I didn't sleep last night, right? I, I said that at the get-go. I just want to make sure that is on record. My boss is probably watching this at some point. One of the disciples uh, talks about this idea in this way. John chapter 1, verse 14, he says this. The word, or like all truth, or God himself, became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And I bring this up because the word that's translated here as the phrase, made his home among us, that word in the original language is the same word for tabernacle. God, this is what it says. God took on human form and tabernacled among us. This verse is telling us something profound that we often miss when we read through this passage, not knowing this original language. Like we're being told like, listen, listen, listen. The, 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 The divine peace that you've always associated with the place came to rest on and in a person. And even though this was true, and these people understood this at this time, they continued to go to the temple. They couldn't help themselves, right? Because it's like, that was their place until it was torn down. And it rattled these people because their peace had always been attached to this place. And so for many of them, when the temple got demolished, their peace was demolished along with it. And it was such a big moment that it marked their history. They referred to life. If you read through uh, the the New Testament, um, the life for these people is marked by the time before the destruction of the temple and the time after the destruction of the temple. Why? Why is the destruction of that building a big deal? Because you didn't just destroy the place. You took my peace. And that's something worth marking your life after. And you do this stuff too. You can't help it. We subconsciously attach our peace to certain tabernacles and temples too. We just don't call them that. But I got to tell you, your temple, just like these people's temple, is not going to last. And in fact, maybe you've already recognized that. Maybe you've already had a temple fall or a tabernacle crumble a safe place, a peaceful place that just 
dried up. It wasn't there for you anymore in the way that it, it was before. And I, I would guess that you've done the same thing. Like you sort of, it's, you mark your life by it, right? There was your time like when you had that temple and then there was the time after the temple. When that temple didn't do the same thing for you, when it wasn't the same thing for you. One thing that is interesting is when Jesus dies, this is the time before the temple was destroyed. When Jesus dies on the cross, there's a curtain in the temple and it rips in two. And, and the curtain was sort of like the divider between the people and the secret place that the priests went to to connect with God. And they went back there to uh, like connect with God to obtain peace for the people. And that curtain rips and it's symbolically made public. Right, like that private place with God becomes all access, unrestricted, universal. And what does that mean? It, this symbol, again, that, that often gets lost on us, means that peace isn't exclusive to a certain somewhere, it's accessible everywhere. Like because Jesus comes at Christmas and because Jesus dies on Good Friday and raises again on Easter, like everything that people needed to go to a place for now becomes something that is accessible everywhere. Saying that people don't need a temple. In fact, this is the real mind-bending thing of the Jesus movement. People are a temple. This is the profound message of, of, of the Jesus movement, right? Is that you don't have to go somewhere to find peace. That in fact, no matter where you are, God will bring peace to you. Wow. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you? For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. And what does that mean? Right? When I was growing up, like, we, like, what this was made to mean is like, you better not smoke. You better not smoke. Oh, seriously, okay, that's the temple, right? It's usually told to us about someone who's really fat. And so I was like, I don't know about the smoking thing, so you're eating a lot of sugar. Um, it's just going to be the smoking of the future. But essentially what, what this verse means is that any place you surrender to the sufficiency of Christ becomes a place of peace. What does sufficiency mean? It means that God has everything and is everything that I need that I'm convinced I need a particular place, and that is an illusion. That is just a way of getting access to the person that actually gives me what I'm desperate for. I'm convinced that I need certain circumstances in order to feel like I want to feel and be who I want to be, but that is an illusion. Those circumstances put me in a frame of mind and are helpful at certain times because they give me access to this person. And Jesus is trying to wake us up to this idea that like, that's helpful. And while it helps you, let it help you. But don't get hung up on the method because the method is just getting you to the man. And that is what you really are after. And the reason why it, it has to break down at some point is so that you can see through the thing that's getting you there 
and you can realize that you can just go there in your own head, in your own heart. And maybe you look at this phrase and you think like, man, that is both good news and also bad news. I want both. I want, I want like a, a peace that can transcend a place, but I also want my places. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with having places that bring you a sense of peace. And for a lot of us, um, that place is, is church. It's this church. It's our church, right? We come here week after week, and there's something about this place, this experience, that's a good thing. And that's fine. That's good. That's, that's helpful. It's fine to have a favorite vacation spot or a coffee spot that, that, that calms you. I don't know why I said spot. But let's not pretend that that didn't happen. As long, it's okay to have that stuff as long as you understand that peace isn't exclusively attached to a place. It's attached to Jesus. And I'll tell you, like, if you don't understand that, the moment your temple falls, so will your peace. And it will fall, no matter what it is. If it's a specific location, if it is an institution, it doesn't really matter. It, like nothing physical lasts forever, which is a good thing that you don't need it. You can leverage it when it's there, but you don't need to rely on it. And so what do we do with this, like practically, this information? How do we navigate life through this lens? I wanna go back to a verse that I repeat so often, partially because it's a mantra for me. It helps me in life, stay focused on what is real and true and important. And I wanna just give this to you as the last verse I read to you in this year. Philippians chapter four, verse six. With everything that I just told you, think about this verse through that lens. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about your locations. Don't worry about your situations. Like, like you don't need to, to like be paranoid that if that stuff crumbles, your life and your peace go away too. Instead of doing that, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. What is he telling us? You want to experience peace? It's found in a person. It's relational. I, the, the thing that's so fascinating to me about this is that it says, all the things that you're worried about, tell God about those things. Have an open conversation, an open dialogue. Sit with God, be with God. And then it doesn't say, and if you do that, he'll give you all of those things that you want. No, 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 you get something better. Even when you don't get those things you want, you get peace. God, you gotta fix my place. How about I give you peace? God, you gotta fix all my circumstances. How about I give you peace? It's not that God doesn't wanna help us with those things. It's that there's something that God can do that is bigger and better than that. That when God's peace resides in you, now you are empowered through his spirit to partner with him to repair your circumstances, to rebuild the places that have been broken and splintered apart. So here's a simple practice to sort of help you do this as you move into the new year. When you're feeling anxious, 
pause and tell yourself this truth. And you may want to just take a picture of this or write it down or however you want to do that. I don't need to go to another place. God is in this place. And anywhere God is, there is peace. Peace, be still. What if you did this? What if, what if you just practiced this in your own life? Some of you are gonna go from here back into like, you still have some time off work. You're gonna have to spend some time with some family that stressed you out. And the whole time you're back, I gotta get out of here. I gotta get out of here. I gotta get out of here. I need to go find peace, right? What if, what if you actually were able to buy into this transcendent idea of like, I don't need to go to another place. As godless as it feels right now, God is in this place. I love this because it's, it's really like a, a, a double meaning, right? I don't need to go to another place. God is in this place. God is in this place. And anywhere God is, there is peace, which means that if I am not experiencing the peace of God in this moment, it's not that God has abandoned me. It's maybe that I am not aware of how present he always is with me. Peace, be still. God, help me grab a hold of your peace. Help me to be still. And I think this proves to be true. You don't need a place to be what you want in order to have peace. And that is why the disciples and early church leaders and followers were beaten and tortured and persecuted in a time without a temple and were still known for their love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. These things are not circumstantial. They're not geographical. They're not tied to a place. They're tied to a person. And this is why we slow down every year and we spend a long time talking about this ancient story of Jesus being born in a manger because Christmas marked the moment where peace came down from the heavens and became available to all of us everywhere, where peace came to occupy the earth. Not one space on earth, not one tabernacle or temple on earth, earth, but when peace came to earth in the form of a person who dwelt with us, who died for us, and whose spirit now rests on all of us. That's profound. And it's worth revisiting and remembering every single year, more than just once a year, because this is the key to experiencing life to the full, is understanding this truth. And that's my prayer for you. As you end uh, this year and move into next year, as you arrange your circumstances and as we talk about like how to set goals and prioritize and commit to certain things, as we do that moving into the series that we begin in January, I, I hope that this thing takes priority and precedence in your life, that you realize that peace is found in a person. And when you align your life with Jesus, you can access that peace anytime anywhere. That's Christmas. That's something to be very merry about. And that's what I want to pray into your life today, that God would make this real to you this day and every day, that he is the Prince of Peace. Would you bow your heads across this room? God, thank you so much for 
your grace, your love, your mercy. Thank you for the way in which you empower us to live a full life, to not just have life, but know how to live that life well. And God, I pray that as we close the door on one year and and open the door on a new year, that um, you would reveal the depth of this truth and really all these truths to us, that, that you are our Prince of Peace, that you are a wonderful counselor, that you are a mighty God, that you are our everlasting Father. God, may these nicknames May they resonate with us in a deeper way than they ever did before. May we understand the dimensionality of the relationship you want to have with us, how rich and deep it is. May we understand that everything that we want, need, and desire that we are desperate for is found in you. May we prioritize our connection with you, knowing that it, if it is in place, everything else falls into place. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Everybody said, amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. We hope you heard something that spoke directly to where you're at right now in life. To find out more about our church, hit up our website, southhills.org slash corona, or follow us on social media at South Hills Corona. And if our messages have made a difference in your life, Help us get the word out by rating and reviewing this podcast. And as always, you can support the ongoing work of our church by giving through our website at southhills.org slash give and selecting the Corona Campus. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope you'll join us again next week. God bless.